You know, the Apple death wheel, multicolored death wheel. <laughs> I just feel like bo- both of my eyes are bo- are those today. Oh, I get it. You mean like when a cartoon yeah. character is on drugs? Like it's yeah, and just like over, like, no malfunction. <laughs> Too much happening must shut down. <laughs> no, it's so funny. I'm the same way. Like I am – I don't have Apple death wheel eyes, but I have no ability to pull it together right now. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm wearing – I mean <laughs> – I don't know if you saw me. I'm wearing this short sleeve. I have my overalls on. I have a short sleeve red plaid blouse with flowers on it. And I have Converse with no socks. I'm not wearing any underwear whatsoever. I washed my face but I forgot to put lotion on and then didn't have time to put makeup on. Um, my hair, I don't think I've washed it in like four days. Um, like my apartment looks like a half like like fifty half finished thoughts. Like yeah. everything is just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I my my place doesn't look like that. it's it's close. It could be at any minute, but but um, that's like my last my last piece of like sanity, you know. Like it's been one of those weeks where every morning I wake up around five and I'm just like, there's no easing in. And it's not because I can't. It's just like, I'm just going. And it's and I, and I just sit there like I like I feel like when I walk around this week, I'm in like the, the seated position because I haven't got up from my fucking chair. <laughs> like my hip flexors are completely <laughs> whatever contracted. I'm just... It's just what it's been a big week. It's and it's lots of good stuff. But um, this morning was interesting. Um, you posted something about uh, Oprah and I didn't know she was. Being I just called read it. Law, by the way. Oh yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. I didn't like. It was just interesting. I was reading about it. I, I was reading the article because Jennifer Lawrence called out. I think she called out. Um, she found she found out there was some hack, and she found out that she had been paid much less than other actors on some movie. And she was speaking about it, and then in and then the and the conversation and and I was reading it, and I just was like. Thinking about she she drove to Oprah's house in Montecito and like they went and sat in the backyard and like I'm just thinking of like this like you know I mean that's my dream and then they have and then they and it was just so out of place and so obvious and then and like so like the the quote from Oprah was we sat in the backyard and we drank and we like we giggled or we laughed and we talked for hours and we drank rosé and I just it was so obvious in that moment and I'm and like. Caveat, I'm also in the middle of reading like how cigarettes, like this book called The Cigarette Century, which is – and also a book on propaganda and also a book on public relations and all of these things. Like right. 
Like Lucky Strikes, for example, women weren't smoking in the 1920s. And Bernays, who is like the father of public relations, came up with mm-hmm. – like there were all sorts of uh, campaigns and attempts. But he came up with the idea of calling them freedom torches. And he tied <laughs> feminism right. with smoking. And this is a huge <clears throat> reason why women pushed – like why there was a huge increase in women smokers of Lucky Strike. He also held a – like they also changed the – like I mean like just all of the – ways that were sold on things and we this was this was like um this is prophetic this was huge this was like avant-garde like the doing public relations stuff and stunts like he did was new at the in the early 1900s and Mm -hmm. today we take it for granted that these messages that we get and the normalization of it has no impact and so I just it's so clear in my mind right now it's just where I'm thinking about what I'm thinking and I just was like and I mean I had that moment of like I probably shouldn't do this um and that's usually when I know I should do something and I just went on and I crossed out the word drank rosé and I replaced it with snorted cocaine and I replaced it with smoked joints and I replaced it with did some drugs and I'm just like this is we think it's cute when it's pink and it's wine and if we were to replace it with cocaine, heroin, you know, any other thing, like we would be – Even would cigarettes. Be, even cigarettes. Even cigarettes. And we smoked some cigarettes. Um, right. People like that, would no, be – She would never say that, right? Oh, no. <laughs> no. And I – and that was Stop. it. That was the meaning of it. And and there is – and then there was a couple of comments. I mean, one woman like just wasn't having a convert. Like there's people that – like there were some great comments and there's this comment from this woman that's like – Hey, um, I have to ask you, like, and she asked it in such a way that it was like invited a conversation. She asked me, but the difference between buying into, you know, Juvederm and why, like, I pump shit in my face and I put my lips, you know, and I talked about like the stuff I do, like, for platy, like my, you know, my late plastic surgery. And I was like, there is no difference, you know, and this is a good question and that's a hard question. And I talked about that at length. And, yeah. but then there was, but then there's like the virtual the virtue the virtue signaling the comments of like like uh, I would never like this is shaming Jennifer Lawrence and Oprah and I was like how is this shaming Jennifer Lawrence and Oprah I'm using something that happened I didn't say they should be ashamed I don't think like shaming women for their behaviors is like my mantle or what I've what anything that I a message I've ever promoted and that's not what I'm saying here what I'm saying here is it would be crazy making if we replace those words with if we, if we like the whole post started off as alcohol is a drug and we normalize it and here are the ways that we normalize it it was just trying to give this like very acute like this very acute witness to like can you see and um and it was just interesting and like I mean, it was just interesting that like, I mean, in your, on your thread, there's a whole bunch of stuff. And like in, in one of the things that you like, the, the thing that I find fascinating is people that have struggled with it sometimes fiercely protect alcohol on some level. And that was one of one of the things you came up against. And I don't know. I mean, it just I think we decided before this, I'm, I thought we weren't going to really talk about it. But um, you asked not to talk about it yet because you're you have Apple crazy eyes or whatever. And. I'm, you know, all over the place too. But I think um, I think this is an important thing to talk about. Like how do we actually call witness to something that is really dangerous and really terrible for women? And at the same time, you know, be clear that the intention is not to shame women for drinking or like – or add another should to the perfectionism mix. Um, like how do you navigate that and, and how do you navigate yeah. those conversations? And honestly, what I read in, in a lot of the – like there are comments – 
the other part of this, like, I'm sorry, I'm totally going off, but I'm just like so like fired up. Um, I just find it so interesting when I find it so interesting how somebody can tell me say something that's really hard to 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 navigate. Somebody can put something up to me that that I know I want to be defensive around, and I cannot be defensive around it. And I can actually have a conversation with somebody that disagrees with me. And how in other times that feels like an attack that doesn't feel like you're talking with me. And I'll like it anyway. It just it's just interesting. And um, yeah, my, I'm slightly agitated, just a little. <laughs> But, um, I mean, like, if you know my work, when the fuck have I ever been about, like, shaming women into quitting drinking or, like, prohibition or any of that shit? Like, what the fuck? Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I – You have apple crazy eyes. You don't have to say anything. I'm sorry. No. Now it's weird if I don't say something. (laughs) Well, we can talk about it in another episode. Um. I think we should. Yeah. I think we should. I mean, I it's not that I don't have anything to say. It's just I don't my I don't have my 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 mind isn't super clear right now and the reason I say something is because I want to have the conversation. I don't so a mm. lot of people accuse me of shaming and also of wanting to censor any conversations about alcohol including people that are my friends, including people I don't care if they're my friends or not, but including people that are sober. And my point is that never that I want to stop any conversation or that I want to censor people or that I'm quote unquote triggered by people mentioning <laughs> mentioning alcohol. That's not right. It. I'm not triggered. We have I'm a ups- whole podcast dedicated to alcohol. I mean, anyway, sorry. I'm upset that they don't that we don't even see something like that in a conversation. And what I said, I think I'll just share because this is the best, you know, semblance of a, a a thought that I have right now. Um, I said, wow, I've got a lot of comments. If you guys want to read some piles of internet fun, check out my Instagram. Uh, sorry. Okay. So I said, Oprah has an audience of what billions and Jennifer Lawrence has close to the same. What's the message to those women? Meaning what is it when we just throw this type of thing into a conversation? We're talking about a pink drug as if it's nothing. This is an example of thousands upon thousands of messages that we ingest that say alcohol improves an experience. I'm still learning very much. I'm still very much learning and settling into what I believe and I'm sharing in my process as I go. But I know for sure that my view of drinking was so normalized because of things like this that I walked down the path without even thinking about it. And now we're at a place in society where even people who nearly died from alcohol still defend it. Isn't that weird? I think it's weird. That's what I mean. Like, I I just, uh, I, and I had a lot of people ask me, what is it you're, you're trying to change? I'm pretty sure Rosé isn't going anywhere for a while. That was a, that was one I really loved. I I, I kind of want to talk about that. Why would you want to change it? How could well, you possibly? I know, I'm uh, kidding. I know. I appreciate, your, I appreciate your thoughts, but I don't, someone called me hysterical. And, uh. Hysterical. Do you know where hysterical comes from? Hysterical means uterus in Greek. Did you know that? Sorry. <laughs> no. It, it is. Hysterectomy. I, hysterical. Yeah, I, it's a woman's word. Funny. It's a word right. that you use against women when they're actually well, passionate about something. 
Yeah, this is a, a woman telling me that I was hysterical and full of judgment and fear. And I said, I appreciate your thoughts, but I don't feel hysterical <laughs> at all, nor am I afraid. I think the fact that we've accepted alcohol is not going anywhere anytime soon, which is in quotes because that's what she said, which says to me, too big to deal with, is an unfortunate reason to shut up. Isn't that how we got here anyway? What if all the women who called out men groping them this year kept feeling like it was too big to tackle or any other major paradigm shift that is also wildly unpopular as it's as it starts because it goes against the accept, accepted cultural norms. You're allowed to feel like you feel, obviously, but I think it's strange language to call yourself or anyone else a drunk. I had four or five people in my feed call themselves drunks and say it's not Oprah's fault that they're drunks, okay? How does it not feel diminishing to call yourself that? I just think we can do so much better. The truth is that this is a much larger issue and most certainly a feminist issue. Uh, it's not just that there are people who can enjoy without impunity, which is another thing I was told, and those who are drunks. It's just, it's very fascinating. And the difference between your, the comments on your feed and the comments of my feed is interesting. And I think that, like, all I wanted to do is, all I want to do, not wanted, I'm not apologizing. All I want to do is have a conversation. And I'm so happy if people disagree with me. But don't tell me, um, you know, it's I'm, that don't tell me I'm shaming people. and then shame me, you know. That's don't tell exactly me. right. I mean, that's what I said. I was just like to one of the women that went, went off about it twice who didn't re- – I responded to her and then instead of her responding to me, she just said – she posted another thing of saying the same thing. And the point of it was saying she was, she was just – she shamed me on account of the fact that what I was doing was shaming. She – it was so – it felt like you know that you know you're being shamed when it feels that way. You know that. Like it's hard to put into words what exactly it was, but you know that you are being – like you know that you're being shamed when – like because of how you feel when you read because something you like that. Because you feel it. Yeah. And it's so – It's not a defensiveness. It's a – it's a hotness in your fucking stomach. Like, oh, you're actually telling me I'm shaming. And you're, you're shaming, shaming me. me be about me being shamed whatever anyway yeah. um yeah so anyway it's okay though funny. you know i think that of course I, it's okay it's great I, yeah it's great and i and i um i welcome it i mean i i texted you i was like i just lost a ton of followers and i love it because it means that we're talking about something important and fuck it i don't care about followers but i do find it interesting how fast people want to jump off when it gets, you know? Yeah. I wonder what gets, that's about. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, that's totally fine. I thought more um, people would be upset about my West Elm post last night. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so can I talk about this? So I like, I do want to talk about it because I met my limit with customer service and I do not like my Old Holly would have, you know, called some poor woman who's making $10 an hour, $9 an hour and, you know, like – and asked to speak to her supervisor and like made my – you know what I mean? And, and you know, hell hath no fury like Holly – like a Holly who's been, you know, scorned in the arena of customer <laughs> service. And um, it's so true. And I wanted to – I was like – I I was I was going to call her up and – not her up. I was just going to call up whoever been – the last person. Like all these people have been assigned to my case. To? Like yeah. I've been calling for months. I'm like, where's my couch? And they're like, oh, we're going to find – like it's going to be there. And just a couple of days and then 
I'm going to call the factory. And then the person would would say, I'm going to call you tomorrow. And then they would never call me again. And then they would never like pick up their line again. And so it was just this like continual, like, I don't want to tell her that I've lost her couch, basic, basically. And so yeah. we found out yesterday and the conversation went like this. May, this time Megan was calling and because I told her I'd give her money if she could find my couch. And um, and Megan said she talked to another rep, like another – yet another rep and the other – and Megan – and they were just like, we can't find it. You can wait for two more weeks and that's how long it takes us to get in touch with the person that was making your custom couch or not. And or, – or, or you can just not move forward on it. And Megan was like, are you kidding? Like, we're, like I mean, it's already been four months. And so – Anyway, long story short, I just was like in this place of like, I mean, it's like the, it's not even about like the fucking couch. It's just, it's on top of everything else. It's just the straw that breaks the camel's back. Like when there's all this (laughs) pressure, like I just lost my shit over the couch. I couldn't stop talking about the couch. I was like calling people and telling them about the fucking couch and what Westdown did. And I was like, I want to call a woman and I want to tell them, I want to like talk to their supervisor and I want to make them pay for this. And then I just kept on saying, I'm not going to do it. So I went to Twitter to post something about it because I have such a huge following on Twitter and I figured I would sway them just like Chrissy Teigen does. And um, I posted something and then they muted me. Like they muted me instead of respond. Like I, you can how see did they them. Know, how did you know they muted you? Because my stuff stopped showing up in their thread. It was in their threads oh. and then it's not in their threads. I'm not – I no longer appeared on their tweets and threads. And um, – I was just like, oh my God. And then not only that, they'd responded. People had gone, go to West Elm and they say the same thing. Hey, I'm not getting my whatever delivered because they apparently are terrible at like customer service and delivery. And so they, they're like, we're so sorry. We've direct messaged you to resolve this. We're so sorry. We're figuring this out. And then they muted me. And so I was just like, what? And then I went to, then I lost it even more and I like retweeted it and I was like, well done. And then I lost it even more. And then I went onto my Instagram account and that was sufficient. I was, I was, it was good in exercise. Better. <laughs> <laughs> You'll pay. You'll you will pay. lose five customers. Customers. Um, anyway, yeah. So I bought a couch from Restoration Hardware, which was actually the one oh, you I wanted. Did. Oh, good. Yeah, and it's coming this week. I have like no customization, straight up couch that's already in the warehouse. Let's take it. So I think that maybe this is just the way it was supposed to go. You're supposed to have a restoration hardware couch. It's going to be great. It sucks because I had such a good experience with West Elm and you had a shitty one and it just kept getting shittier. It's so fucking annoying because like, what is that? Like, what is that? Uh, Oh, I mean, like all these things, of course, or like, I mean, like the rational spiritual side of me was like, oh, this is no big deal. Like, it's honestly just a fucking couch in time. Like, I won't remember being this upset. I won't remember the four months I didn't have a fucking couch. You know, like, it's just like not that big of a deal. Um, And then on the other hand, there's like the me that's like, I can't take the stress of this. (laughs) And it's like, do you know, like, I, like, I know, I know, like, the the lesson is in what you do with all this stuff, like, right? Like that, those are the moments, like the injection moments where you can like take something and actually run and be different about it. And um, I definitely did not show up yesterday. (laughs) But also, like, whatever. It's fine. Anyway, so yeah. Uh, All right. You want to introduce it? Yeah. So this is, to me, one of the most important uh, conversations that we've ever had and definitely 
uh, one of the most impactful for me. We talked to two sisters, Janet and Julie Hawkins, about their story and how we came across both of them. And uh, I don't even want to say more about what the story is because I really think it's so powerful to let it evolve the way it did on the show. Um, But this, this episode includes so much, so many sides of addiction and it really captures it all, right? I mean, uh, it was all of it. Yeah. It's like, it's all in there and it's just, these two are so amazing and brave and uh, all all of the things. It's just good. Like they were so good at doing this and like, so vulnerable and honest and kind and generous with each other. I mean, it was just like, it's like a miracle, you know, like that mm-hmm. this, like the whole thing is, but, um, yes. So yeah. I think this is the best episode we've ever done. I have to, like, I don't know anything else that really trumps this because it's so, it just like for, I, I just think like everybody that listens to this, no matter what, will get something out of it. And yeah, I hope so. And I, I think it's just, it was them, you know, it's all them and their story. And it's, it's a testament to how big, how wide this stuff, um, goes, how big and wide it goes when we start talking and we heal and what it can do in families and God, I don't even know. It just keeps going. So generally, generationally, I mean, it's just, it's Mm -hmm. in, in, in all the, all the different ways, deep and wide. Um, so thank you, Janet and Julie Hawkins is their, uh, maiden name, by the way, they have, um, two different names. Um, but yeah. we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, I love you. Thank you. Thank you for being so brave. Like, it's so funny whenever you repost something of mine, it's, you would think we have the same audience, but we don't. And <laughs> whenever you repost it, I'm always just like, I mean, it's a, it's oof, oof. Yeah. You really mm-hmm. get beat up. And I'm sorry for that. Um, no, don't be sorry. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't share if it didn't feel it too. And um, think it was so important. And and you know, I do have to say um, to answer to the woman who called me out. Uh, she didn't call me out. She wasn't. She wasn't being rude. She was just asking, and I so appreciated it. You know, how do you reconcile this post with? what you talked about having alcohol at your party, your Halloween party. And I thought of that when I was posting it and I said, you know, I, I've been thinking about that too. And I don't really know the answer. And I think if I wait, if I worried about contradicting myself or with the way this might be perceived by any group of people that, need me to say one thing or need to hear another thing or what the fuck ever. I would never say anything at all. And I'm very clear about that in my, in everything I'm doing is that I, you guys, I will change my fucking mind again and And again again. and again. And we all reserve the right to do that. I, I, I mean, I can't say it enough. Uh, and, and I love that she asked me that and I will think about it more and I would love to answer that. And, you know, I have opinions and then they change and just, just like everybody else. Um, and I invite the conversation. I I don't give a shit if anyone agrees with me. I just want to keep talking. 
Well, and you also want it to be like respectful disagreement and agreement. You don't want people to like jump to like name call or, you know, like it, it really has to be. And one of these things and, and all of these things, I think there's just like there's a way to approach conversations like this. And I think that's a great question. And I think it's also incredible. Like like there is – I mean I, ha- I had to answer something like that specifically as well. And I said – like we're all, like humans are contradictions, and like I don't know one human that's not a hypocrite. And most of the time, when people have an argument form, like when people have an answer or a belief, and you ask them to defend it, they're making shit up to defend something that's just that's just that's not rational. That's just a belief. Right. And right. so when it comes down to all of this stuff, I mean, all we're really trying to do is like listen to each other. Like that's all we're really right. trying to do. And I do I I know I shut down today and I couldn't hear like. Like a couple people because they were talking so loudly at me. I couldn't hear it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't hear them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's something that like, ugh, I know, I need to get better at. But I like, talk that way too, though. I've done that. I it mean, gets so I think hard, about the letter man. That I, wrote, that I wrote to Cheryl Strait and letter like years ago or whatever. And yeah. I read that letter and I'm like, yeah, man, yeah. I was pissed and screaming, but I yeah. still felt that way. And that's right. the best thing about that was she she did acknowledge it. I mean, I didn't get the response that I wanted, but I, but she, she just said, you're allowed to feel how you feel. And the the thing that she said that I will never forget is we are only two hearts or two minds, two people, two minds. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel about, about us on this show. We are only two, two yes. minds at one time. Yeah. And, um, and I, Everything I say is honest, is the honest truth of how I feel at the time. That's right. And that's all I will ever do, you know, and that's all I promise to do. So I love it. All right. All right. I love you. Bye. Good morning or actually good afternoon. Mm, Morning here. It's morning yeah. for me too. Yes, afternoon for me. This is the f- so you so that's right. You're one West Coast, one East Coast, just like us. Yep. Yeah. So, Wait, so Julie, um, you're on the East Coast, and Janet, you're San Francisco, or do I have it backwards? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm in I the East right. Bay. Yep. Okay. All right. Yes. Good job, Hall. Thank you. I'm impressed. Thank you. So, <laughs> this is the first time we've actually had two guests. And you guys are sisters, which makes it even better. Um, and I've been so looking forward. We've been so looking forward to having this conversation since we met you in San Francisco. Um, so can you, one of you or both of you, just tell us sort of how you made it into that room in San Francisco, um, maybe starting with like where you found us? Okay. Well, I'll, this is Janet. And I, Joel, is it okay if I answer this? Sure. Yeah. Um, because I um, found home podcast through the Hip Sobriety website. Um, as I think I told you guys, I was looking for resources for Julie um, to help her. And I started listening and, you know, couldn't stop, basically. Started at the beginning, was just, I couldn't stop listening. I was just binging on the episodes and um, so you were so, so sorry. You were you were looking for resources to help her with her drinking because she you yes. she had a drinking problem. And did she tell you that, or you just? Oh knew? Yeah. yeah. Well, it was obvious for I'm sure reasons we'll get into, but okay. um, 
yeah, she had been struggling. She had um, a couple DWIs and was, you know, things were, were really difficult and for her and for the whole family during that time. Yeah. And are you the older um, or the younger sister? I'm, I'm the older, okay. two and a half okay. years older. Okay. Of course. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> I started, I was trying to learn as much as I could about, you know, alcohol addiction and um, resources that could help her. I started reading all of the drinking memoirs and, mm-hmm. you know, reading your blogs and listening to the home podcasts. And um, I sent the links to Julie, um, probably, I guess it was February of this year. Um, so 2017. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I kept listening, I realized I basically started questioning my own drinking as well, but initially started listening, you know, to, to help her. So wait, where, where did that happen though? Like at what point were you like, cause that's well, a, I think I, yeah, I think I had questioned, um, my drinking, you know, over the years at different points, but I was, you know, as so many of us are highly functioning, you know, living my life, drinking wine at night, every night. And, um, you know, Julie's path was, um, a little more, uh, openly destructive at that point. So it was kind of like, she had been classified as the one with the problem. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, What, so, okay. So Julie, how much were you drinking at this? Like when you, when you, like when you went to quit drinking, what, like how much were you, if you don't mind me asking, like how much were you drinking? What did it look like for you? Well, no, I don't mind you asking at all. Um, but it is very difficult to tell because with my drinking at the end, I was pretty much hiding it from my husband and drinking during the day because he came home early from work. Um, so I would hide it. I would buy like a box of Chardonnay, hide it under my back porch mm. and just take like coffee mugs full. I had no idea how much I was drinking, but then I would go, you know, get another box of wine with within the next day and a half. So it was mm-hmm. gone. Um, yeah. And at that point when I was drinking, it was more about maintenance yeah. uh, for, for me because I was scared to death to detox. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to drink to get drunk. I wanted to be able to function. My anxiety was so high and like you weren't having fun anymore. <laughs> no, 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 no fun. Yeah. And so for okay. you, you came, so you, you came out to your family at what, like, at what point, like, was it that you kind of, that you brought your family into it? Well, was that intentional story, or was it? Well, it's a little different because my husband, my ex-husband now, um, was and is a very controlling person, always has been, um, we were married for 11 years and he just was so controlling, mentally abusive, just anything I did was not right. Um, so my drinking increased over the years due to that. Yeah. I'm a very stubborn person, as we all are. Yeah. Um, so him mentioning my drinking, you know, a couple of glasses of wine on a Monday night, like, how could you do that? I was like, I worked a long day. I have two kids. I put them to bed. I'm having a glass of wine, like. Right. Um, but that was like, definitely no, don't, you know, 
you have a problem, you need to stop for a while, you know. And so I was rebellious. I said no. And um, so I really don't know at the like how much I was drinking and the fact like how it was brought up to my family was not through me. It was through him. Um, he got basically my whole family on board with the fact that Julie, which, which is not untrue. Julie's in trouble. Julie's drinking too much, but he basically turned everybody against me. And, you know, this is, why I loved hell as other people so much because yeah. it was it was me. It was like not nobody cared. Like why yeah. is he drinking? Like what? That's is- an episode of the podcast, by the way. Yeah, that, yeah, sorry, yeah sorry. not the Joe Rogan thing. Um, Such a good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep going, Julie. What? Yeah, nobody no- cared. Please. Yeah. So nobody really questioned me or cared. You know why I was drinking. It was. Julie has a problem. We have to fix it. What are we going to do? Let's get her to inpatient. Let's get her outpatient. Let's get her, you know, and like all the while everybody's talking about me, but nobody's really talking to me. And, you know, so I felt really isolated, really alone. You know, I knew I had a problem. I knew I wanted to take care of it, but I felt so alone. Um, I, at that point, after my first DWI, I went to outpatient rehab I was sober for five months um went to AA and are you guys are you two talking at this time like really closely or what what's going on between the two of you oh yeah yeah definitely Um, okay we Julie you had totally pulled away from the family at that point so that was you know really hard because um you know you you say you know you you did feel so alone but you also kept a lot to yourself during that time. And so like, I didn't even know. And I think nobody really knew that how severe her problem was until the first DWI. That kind of was what brought it all to light. Okay. Um, I think. And, and, and that- we, yeah. And we talked that night when you were in jail and, oh. um, you oh. know, yeah. And so that is, know. is that when you kind of went on your, started to go on your search for resources to help her? Um, or was it before then? It was a little bit later. I mean, at first I have to say, just to kind of back up a little, our family Mm -hmm. has always been a huge drinking family. I mean, our dad owns Mm -hmm. a sports bar. It was always in our life. We both started drinking at an early age. We would drink with our parents. We would, I mean, I would drink more with my parents and my sister than I would with anybody else. Yeah, I um, you know, it was a total party thing. And I was pissed, to be frank, that she was kind of like she took it too far and fucked it up. She ruined it. And I was like, why did you go and like get the DWI? You know, like so initially and that was my own denial of, you know, the larger problem, which was that we all basically had a drinking problem. Yeah. Um, but so Isn't at first, funny? no, I don't think, you know, I wasn't like trying to help her at that point. At that point, I kind of, and in the beginning, we all thought Jamie was just a big stick in the mud. You know, he was, why is he complaining that she's drinking wine on Wednesday? Everybody drinks wine on Wednesday, you know, like, yeah. um, and then he started became more, Mm -hmm. yeah, became more apparent that, you know, she was really struggling, not because she necessarily told us, but just because of the outward manifestation of, you know, what the stuff that was going on. 
I think this yeah. is so interesting because like you hear – I have a lot of people that come to me who know somebody who's struggling. And I I mean at the end of the day, like my my – my work is with those that are struggling, not with those that are surrounding the person that is struggling, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. I always no, totally. like I'm sitting here and I was like, Julie, you know, like I can feel Julie's pain in all of this. And now it's just so interesting because you're on this side of it as well. But I think it's just such an interesting thing. And it's there's so many dynamics at play when somebody is dying or sick in front of you, right? And then what do you do? And also like Julie's sitting there and she's not feeling hurt. Like how do – like I guess like what I want to ask more than anything is like Julie, what like what would have been the right – what would have made it less painful and isolating and feeling – you know, like what would have changed it for you? What would have – what would it have looked like in a good situation when – your family comes to confront you about this or to not even confront, but I guess intersect this? Well, it's a good question. I mean, I definitely could have benefited. I turned to AA a lot then. I, yeah. My support for AA, they knew I was drinking and still going to meetings, not going to meetings drunk, but like just yep. um, still drinking. I think what would have helped is more support from my family to me rather than to Jamie, my, my yeah. ex, um, you know, she, like he turned to them because he didn't know what else to do. And I don't blame him for that. But everybody that turned to me was like, Julie, what are you doing? Like, you know, you're ruining your life. You're going to lose your kids. You're going to lose your, you know, everything you have. Do you right. really want like, to do that? Why can't you just stop? Why can't you just stop? That was our, you know, like, yeah. you just have to stop because we didn't know we weren't educated at the time about. Yeah. Well, and you have works. your own reasons for being, for wanting her to just knock it off because it's like totally. calling attention to this thing. What, yeah. um, did you, Julie, think that this is just, this was just your problem? Like, no, oh, no, I was pissed. I was, <laughs> <laughs> after my, well, I just want to quickly I tell this story. Yeah. Um, my first DWI was in March of 2015. Um, my mother and I talk on the phone all the time. She lives about 20 minutes from me. Mm-hmm. And her husband was over at my house because we were doing hardwood floors and he was helping out my husband. And immediately when I called my mom, at like one o'clock in the afternoon, I knew she was wasted and I knew she'd been crying and yeah, she had made some comments to me that were pretty scary um, along the lines of like, I I don't want to live anymore. And Mm. I immediately called Janet and said, listen, I'm heading over to mom's, which again, takes 20 minutes. Can, Can you call her and just stay on the phone with her? She's wasted. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, but it was it was over something stupid like her house being built and something fell through and you know at the time it felt stupid but it wasn't obviously right. and, and it's one in the afternoon it's like the middle of the day right yeah. yeah and so I get there and I find her in bed and she is completely wasted I mean to the point where she can barely open her eyes or talk to me or tell me where she got the wine um where it was, like how much she drank. And so, I mean, at that point I just decided like, listen, I'm going to make her some toast. I'm going to get her to eat something and I'm going to stay with her while she sleeps. 
it off for a little bit. And so I did. I made her some toast and brought it up to her. And she had like a bite and then closed her eyes. So I thought she was going to sleep. So I went downstairs to get her some ginger ale. As I'm walking back up the stairs of her apartment, I see her getting out of bed and like literally in slow motion in my head, watch her fall backwards, hit her head directly on the night side table. And she gets her head stuck under the night side table. I ran up the stairs. I pulled her head gently out of the night side table and lifted her up and like sitting upright and blood is just literally squirting everywhere, like from her head. And I can't stop the bleeding and I'm, freaking out I called 911 and you know like they had to bring a stretcher upstairs to the bedroom to get her out and um you know make a long story short she went to the hospital my husband or her husband met us at the hospital leaving my house and when he got there I went back to the house with my my dad and his wife which is a whole another story we're all really close Mm -hmm. um and to get the blood stain out of the carpet because all I was thinking was if she sees this like it's just mm. such a nightmare you know like so we're trying to clean up the blood while doing so drinking wine um ourselves and you're drinking <laughs> wine while you're cleaning mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. and, yeah, then and the- I'm on the we- I'm on the west coast getting text messages that are getting like further apart and making less sense as time goes on and I'm kind of like what is going on you know yeah. I like to call it the well, I'll let her finish the story, but it's right. the double incident, the terrible double incident of March 2015. Right. <laughs> keep going, keep going. So we went. I went back to the hospital. Um, she was released with sti- after getting stitches, and she had a blood alcohol content of 0.24. Jesus. Um, so, oh, that's nothing, ladies. <laughs> that's rookie. Um, yeah. Yeah. So get her back home and she was really angry with her husband at the time for she was kind of blaming him on the issues that happened with the house and um what fell through. And so I washed her hair in the sink, washed all the blood out, um got her into bed and like turned on Lifetime which she loves and I left to go home. It was probably around eight o'clock at that point. And I was just like literally shaking from everything that happened and like watching. And all I could envision was like the blood everywhere. And it was mm-hmm. a nightmare. And then I could envision going home and talking to my husband about it and getting absolutely no support or sympathy because he would just be like, well, your family's a bunch of drunks. And Ugh, yeah. that's what happened. So. What happened was I stopped at a wine store and got a uh, bottle of wine, the wine that I drank, and drank it in my car parked in some neighborhood that I didn't know and cried and drank and just continued to drink. And I was there for probably a couple hours or an hour and a half maybe, and the police showed up. I guess a neighbor called saying some car is there and it's suspicious and... Anyway, I got a DWI. And you were, oh, just sitting there? Yeah, yeah. God. And, you know, I mean, the cops were really nice, but 
you know, obviously I, I blew a point three three. So um, <sighs> it was definitely a bad time. So, you know, what happened, you know, obviously it was all the legal crap, but what happened was then the onus was moved off of my mother splitting her head up in and onto drunk Julie getting a DWI. Right. Um, and literally, like, I mean, I think to this day, like, no one talks about what happened with my mom that night more than they talk about, okay, Julie really needs help. You know, like, Julie's the alcoholic. Yes. I have so many questions. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) This is like this crazy, like, meta story of a family. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is, yes. Okay. So, so what happens from there? This is when do you get the DUI and everybody's like, okay, Julie has a problem. She's an alcoholic. This is real. She needs to deal with it. Yeah. So basically, um, at that point, I went to Conifer Park, which is an outpatient treatment. And I went on my own. I called them and scheduled it on my own, even though, you know, court later you know, told me that I had to do that. Mm-hmm. And oh, I, that was just a shit show in itself. I, I drank and then had to be placed on a five-day program instead of a three. Um, so and you, have, you have kids, right? And you have this husband yeah. at home and you have kids. So your life, and I'm assuming life doesn't change much for you. Like, it's just... You have to keep going with Same your responsibilities. Life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was still getting my kids up in the morning, getting them pack their lunches for school, get them on the bus. You know, like I, I wouldn't say I was a functioning alcoholic at that time, but I was, you know, doing the things I needed to do. To You're be making mother. it by. Yeah. Yeah. And not once, you know, did I like my kids ever say like, mommy's so drunk, you know, like, or, mm. you know, yeah. which. Is one of my huge accomplishments, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How old are they? How old were they? I mean, this is just this year. Or, the, or no, this is two years ago. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So right now they're, they're 10 and 7. Okay. okay. All right. So, so what, what happened yeah. was when I went to that outpatient treatment, I, I listened. I got stuff out of it. I definitely did. But, you know, like people, the counselors would be like, you know, it's such a selfish addiction and... And I was like, no, it's not. Like, I didn't, Fuck them. You know, <laughs> Sorry. I, yeah, like, I, I didn't, no, it's not. It's all about me. Like, you, what, what are you talking about? I didn't, it's not selfish. And, you know, so I, I kind of just at that point was like, whatever, I'll just get through this. Um, so I did. I graduated from it and remained sober for five months. Um, and How did I, you remain yeah. sober for five months? Like what, yeah. how the hell doing? did you do that? Um, I went to AA and I kept in contact with a lot of people and from the outpatient program and, you know, I wasn't mandated to like on probation or anything. I, I don't know how I did it. I, I, to this day, I don't know because I wasn't, it wasn't for me. Like I never yeah. felt like I want to be sober. It was to um, not be in trouble. It was to right. not, well, was not, and, yeah. not to and have probably some fear over what would happen if you, you know, yeah. 
the kids right. and yeah. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't even fear over the kids. It was fear over my husband and my family. Yeah. Um, and then just to quickly go on to that story, after the five months, it was probably like August of that year, my sister and her family came home and for my dad's 70th birthday party. And you know, like like my sister said, like we don't do it lightly. Like there, there <laughs> everyone's was, part everyone's celebrating yeah, big there yeah. was lots of wine lots of wine lots of food lots of wine and the wine didn't stop I mean our family you know my dad has a boat he has a bar he has a restaurant like you know like we or they I should say did not stop drinking all day and I had to remain sober through that. And that actually was such a difficult day for me. Um, but I did it for my dad turning 70, you know, like, and I tried to make the best of it, like literally tried to make the best of it by, you know, keeping a happy face on and um, all of that. But once my sister, like a couple days later, I think I had a glass of wine, not even a full glass when everybody, we were having a barbecue for dinner at my dad's and everybody looked at me as they have their glasses of wine in front of them, like, holy shit, she's drinking. And that was it. That's all I had was that one small glass of wine. But like, it was just the, the reactions and everything that I rebelled against. And I was like, fuck this, I'm drinking. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. and so that was it. Five months over was over. And yeah. I was and drinking. Did you just kind of start right back up? Yeah, I did. Yeah. 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 Okay. So Janet, <laughs> what's going on for you at this time? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, where are you at in this story? Um, like around, like you see her drink. I mean, I think this is such a great, like, I'm so curious. Like, what was your thought when you see her drink? Like, what is it? Oh, I mean, I was so worried about her. You know, I was so worried about her and, you know, I, um, I was scared about what was going to happen, you know, if she continued to drink the way she was. And um, I sort of, sort of became, I think, you know, months later, I read the book Codependency No More. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. a lot of it rang true. I think I, not, I didn't understand before I read that book exactly what codependency was. It was just this like fancy buzzword that I had heard. But it kind of became like my obsession became about like what she was doing. Like, when was she drinking? When was yeah. she not drinking? Like, how could I get her to stop? And how can I fix this? You know, all that classic stuff. And, um, you know, it was really hard. I mean, Julie and I have always been very close until I'd say until she married Jamie and she started to pull away for um, various reasons. And then, you know, I mean, I was always just trying to get that back. So I was... Yeah trying to help her is well-intentioned, but I mean, the fact that we drank in front of her in August of that year, like, it so horrifies me now. I mean, I think back and I, we just didn't know how to be together as a family any other way. Yeah. Then you know, that was just, yeah, totally. was just what we did. Like, it would have been, I don't, I, at the time, we, none of us could even imagine it, you know? Um, so, I mean, I, I feel horrible about that, but I guess it all, it was part of the past and here we are. So, so what right. happened then as you, after you start drinking again, what, what did that look, what, what did it feel like and look like, first of all, when you well, started again? Well, when I started drinking again, um, again, I had to hide it from my husband because 
there was no going back in that department. Right. Um, and so it, it's funny because when I was, and when I did start drinking again, my, my main support group was AA people. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, they're all sober and they know I'm drinking. And one of my good friends remains good. My, one of my good friends, Just, Justin. I have a Justin, too. Um. <laughs> Yours sounds different than ours. Sounds nice. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, he um, he had been sober for five months as well, and we had met at AA, and we started hanging out. I, did, I didn't have a car. I couldn't drive. And he would take me to meetings and everything. Well, he relapsed and we drank together. So, um, you know, that was my one out was that like, you know, I was drinking with him. Um, he pretty much was the only one that I did drink with. Um, I'm just trying to picture this in my mind. I'm sorry, because I, I imagine this is one thing I never did. Like go like drink with someone who is also like, supposed to be sober or trying to be sober yeah, like it feels terrifying it feels really awful like yeah what you both know <laughs> what where were you when you drank where did you go what did you what were you what was it like well we went I mean we had gone to a couple bars we went okay. to his house and drank um and was there a discussion of like we're doing that we like yeah oh yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. I mean it was we both knew, like, and it was horrible. Like, we went to this AA convention, and the first night, it was um, at a hotel. So, everybody was staying at the hotel. The first night, we went to a bar in in the town and drank while everyone else is going to, like, oh you know, God. some speaker meeting. And, like, the next day, I wake up. I actually have to admit, I was trying a little bit then, like, to, like, get back on track. And I woke up the next day and went to all of the speaker meetings that I could. Um, he, on the other hand, got back to the hotel that night, was, like, rambunctious, kicked over a lamp, was, like, I'm going back out to bars. He was so drunk. Um, yeah. No one saw him the next day. His sponsor was, like, where is he? I'm, like... I probably at a bar. I have no idea. Um, oh, I just so. I feel like a pit in my stomach because that per- mm-hmm. that place. I know that place. Like it it is the worst kind of hell. I yeah. Think so too. Yeah. <clears throat> so okay. So, well, it was also I think Julie. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it a, t- a way for you to get out of the house away from Jamie too? Because you would say, "I'm going to a meeting with." Yeah, with Justin, right? And right. Then exactly. Sometimes you would go and then drink afterwards, or or not go, you know, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, I had to get. You're you're right, Janet. Like that's basically what we did was, I needed to get out of the house. So we would, and sometimes we would go to a meeting. Janet's right, and then afterwards just go drink. Um, and yeah. So, but, okay. <laughs> Janet, sorry, I'm curious. I'm, yeah. yeah. Jan, I'm curious. What? Let's go. I want to hear a bit more about like what's what you're going through during this. You know, like I kind of I'm hoping you Do can you kind know? of like take us through August when you see your drink to, I mean, about a year later, I guess, when you start 
I mean, at what point for you did you like start taking on an active role? And like, when did things start? How did things start shifting for you in terms of how you viewed it? And and what did that look like? And I mean, honestly, I credit you guys. And I mean, like, um, this is free advertising for your home podcast, but it really shifted the way that I thought about everything. Um, you guys helped me so much, even just learning, you know, first learning for Julie and then, you know, really internalizing and everything you said made sense. And I started realizing, God, you know, I've always, I always drank too much. Like I've, you know, yeah. held it together, but this is an issue for me too. It's an, and it's a family issue for our whole family. But and when, really, when was when, that? Like, when is, when is that? Like, what is it? I'm curious. Cause you told me at Laura's workshop, you said there was like an inner, like there was a specific episode or there was, there had to have been <laughs> like some moment. Yes. And I'm kind of hoping you can kind of pin that. And what, like what time, like, what point in time? Why, you know, like what, like, where were you? Where were you in this process? Because at first, like you were saying that you were resentful of her for, you know, fucking the party up. And then at some point, this just starts to shift and you start obviously actively engaging to help her. And I'm just kind of curious if you can kind of walk us through like before, like around what time and before and then like what the what the lightning was, like what the lightning bolt or whatever I'm trying to say. Yeah, Yeah. sure. Yeah, sure. So I think I moved from being, you know, pissed about her messing up the party to just being really sad that I had, I felt I had lost her. And I remember feeling initially when she got her first DWI, feeling like there was this moment of relief that there was a problem identified and a reason why she had pulled away from me. That's what I, in my head, that's what made sense was like, okay, now she's going to get better and then we're going to be close again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, you know, there was that. And then, um, I mean, God, there were so, I mean, there were so many stories of, you know, feeling, you know, where I did feel sad and, um, was felt like I was trying to help, but until I started educating myself and really learning about what addiction's about, um, I think I wasn't able to be there, to be there the way she needed me to be there. Yeah. And how so how, how did you get to that, though? Like, how did you even start? Because a lot of people don't – like, my family still hasn't educated themselves on what yeah, addiction is. And this is what I, I do know. for a living. So, I like, know. that's a really big pivot, right? Like, you yeah. at some point decide, I want to start learning about what this is. What is that? Is it just because you're afraid of losing your sister? Like, what's the like what's the thing that draws you into this? Yeah. I mean, I couldn't stop. I, I was, it was definitely that I wanted to help her. I wanted to find resources. I wanted to understand. I'm definitely the type of person who wants to research and learn as much as I can about any topic once I yeah. get interested in it. Yeah. And so, you know, I read all the drinking memoirs. I related to them so much. I tried to, I remember um, Julie and I both read Elizabeth Vargas's, um, you know, Between Breaths. Yeah. And that was a big, like, th- that was probably one of the first moments where I kind of understood because she talks so much about anxiety. anxiety. Julie, yeah. Julie has a ton of anxiety. And that was, you know, it's it's so related, especially with women, as we all know. Yeah. But, so um, we're in early the- 2017 period right now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So early 2017 is when I really started listening to your podcasts and... There was one episode, and we told you the story about I listened to Hell as Other People. Yeah. Episode and, 73, we can never forget. Yes. And Laura, <laughs> you talked about that moment where you were at your mom's house, and everybody was drinking, but your mom wasn't, I believe. 
Mm-hmm. And you left and you, I think, forgot your daughter's jacket or something happened and you had to go back yeah. just minutes later and you walked back in and your mom had poured herself a big glass of wine. Yep. And I just like, it just hit me. I was like, that's what we do. Because, mm-hmm. you know, after that August 2015 visit where we were drinking in front of her, we quickly learned that that was not a good idea. Like we should not drink anymore in front of Julie to be supportive so the next summer, so we'll drink when she's summer, not there and exactly. really be excited when she leaves. Right, <laughs> exactly. We would be so stressed because a lot of times she would show up to the family gathering already having, you know, she already drank before she got there. And then we're all pissed because we're not, you know, drinking because of her, but she's drunk or had been drinking. And um, anyway, okay. but then she'd okay. leave. So I have to ask some really specific, yeah, I have to ask some really specific questions. Cause I, cause I know yes. it's hard to tell this cause it's like everything sort of bleeds into everything else, but Ju- are you sober now, Julie, in early 2017 or are you still in an, what's the deal? I am sober. Okay. January 17th, 2017. I have had no alcohol whatsoever. Okay. Uh, so that's two days before my birthday. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> so you're sober and so so this like showing up to parties having drink and stuff was like that, the prior, that. prior summer. That's okay. before. So summer of 2016, Jewel, right? Yeah. That was when yep. I went home a couple times that summer because our dad was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. Mm, and so okay. I was home on two separate occasions with him the first time he was hospitalized because he had a bad reaction to his chemo. And that's when Julie got her second DWI right around then. And then we okay. went oh, and then okay. dro- I drove with her and my mom and her ex-husband to take her to an inpatient facility in Syracuse. Um, okay. At that so- point. So she, yeah. so you then in early 2000, early this year, that's when you really start to dig in and you listen to hell as other people and you're like, oh, yes, we, we did that. We're yeah. in this. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So then what do you do? Do you call her? So I, so I had already mentioned to her, probably emailed her the, um, you know, just, Hey, have you seen the, have you listened to these podcasts? And I think she, um, Julia, um, I think you have told me that you felt like you didn't want to listen to anything anyone was telling you to do because everybody was telling you to do so many things. So I don't think you listened, started listening right away. But when I heard that, that hell is other people episode, I actually texted her the link to that one episode. And I said, I get it now. I am so sorry. And so I think that, uh, <laughs> sorry. That, she's like, what? She clicked, she clicked on that one. I think finally, yeah. she began, yeah. you know, <laughs> That's when I was Um, finally like, well, I I guess I should listen to this one then. Yeah. Mm. And that just really, you know, and then I think from there we, you know, she did start, she started listening and then we would talk about different episodes and, um, you know, and I made the decision on my own in April, um, of this year that I was going to stop drinking and at least try it. At least like, you know, it was something that I was considering and I was terrified to tell her because, you know, mm-hmm. I was afraid I wasn't going to be able to do it. And, um, yeah. you know, I didn't want to tell her that I was, you know, thinking about this at that point, I didn't know that I was, you know, going to end up going the long haul with it. Um, so did you tell her, did you tell anyone? I told, told my, me. Yeah. I signed up. It was funny. I was sitting on the couch one night and drinking wine and, um, 
you know, kind of, I had kind of made this decision, but I hadn't told anybody. And the, my inbox, I'm looking at my phone, my inbox pops up Holly's um, wait list for the hip sobriety school or it had just Mm -hmm. opened. I guess I had put myself on the list at some point Mm -hmm. and I was sitting there probably three glasses of wine in and I just was like, you know, fuck it. I'm going to sign up right now because if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And I signed up for hip sobriety school and I, then I was going like two days later to a girls weekend with my college friends in Charleston. Um, Oh boy. So I knew I was like, well, I'm not even going to try to not drink on that trip. Mm -hmm. And so I went on that trip knowing that I was coming back and I was going to stop. And I told my husband, I wrote him this letter um, to try to get it all out. And I, I told him about it. And um, is he a big drinker? Uh, like, was this a thing that we were afraid to tell him as well? No, he's a normie. <laughs> he's a, uh, he's drink. I mean, he drinks and he can. He, enjoys he is it. really one of those people that is not like uh, he, he can have at a one. Glass, like, yeah. yeah, he can have a glass <laughs> of wine in front of him for like an hour, and it's still yeah. there. And I'm like, how do yeah. you? I, know. I just don't. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Got um, it. So. Yeah. So then I came back on May first and uh, stopped drinking, and I, I'm still doing it. So. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> when did you, when, okay. So then our, th- you, we met you. When did we meet you? August. No. No, May. I came, I came by myself. Oh my God. Your, it all um, together. Never Not Broken workshop. And I was oh, terrified okay. because I signed up for that way in advance. And that was Before May. I even did Hep's Writing School, I'd signed up for that. Uh, and uh. so then some of the like, um, the Hip Sobriety School people were, uh, you know, there was messages in the Facebook group that people were going. So I went to that and it was great. And I, and I remember, I, I think I sent you a letter. Um, I guess maybe it was before that, but just saying that my dream would be to go to something like that with Julie in the future. Mm. Like that would be yeah. so amazing. And so when you guys announced, Laura, when you announced the bigger yes workshop, I bought two mm. tickets immediately and I was just like hoping that she could come and it worked out and she, she bought a ticket and she came out and, you know, our, our little dream came true. My dream came true. <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, yes. It was awesome. Yeah. It was, um, it took us a minute, you know, like after those things, it was like, wait, what? Your sister's what? Your, yeah. how? how? Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So I want to, I want to, I know ugh, there's so many questions. So Julie, now now what's going on with you? Like you get sober in July and January yeah. and then what? Well, like, I how sober. are you, how are you seeing all this in this stuff coming from her? Yeah. What's that like? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, big sister. Uh. <laughs> it was a pretty, I have to say that since I've quit drinking, like probably the hardest shit has happened in my life. Yeah. Um, As it does. You know, I, I, <laughs> like unreal, like stuff that people, that's what they drink over. Um, yeah, I know. The divorce, the, you know, moving, the, my dad's cancer, yeah. you know, like everything. So I was wondering if the marriage was still, it sounded like it wasn't. So, so that's, no, yeah. We were, he served me papers on November 30th and, and then I was going to jail every weekend. So <sighs> at that point I was just an emotional and, you know, sober a little bit. So, you know, your brain is mush, but, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, 
so in jail, I decided to write letters, almost like a fifth step type thing, just mm-hmm. to certain people because there's nothing to do in jail, and I needed to get. When you say you're in jail, what does that mean? You're like sitting like in jail, literally in jail. <laughs> you had to go back for weekends to make up your sentence. Yeah, it, it oh, was twenty God. weekends in jail in order to get it from That's a felony to a totally what they should do to people Jesus that are suffering with addiction. That is exactly Christ. how to treat people that are suffering. <laughs> right, the right, fucking fuck. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, luckily, Julie was strong enough to keep up her sobriety. But at the time, we were all so worried that, you know, how is she possibly going to go? Like, how is she supposed to stay sober all week and then go to jail on the weekends and then, you know, come home from that kind of a really tough experience and maintain sobriety while she's working during the week, dealing with kids and then going, you know what I mean? Like, no, it's intense. I mean, it's 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 amazing that you made it through that. Like it is. It's amazing that you made it through that. Amazing. Well, thank you. 20 but weekends, was, that's like half a year. Of I know. Like it was a long time. And I, you know, that's a whole other yeah, episode. God. Yeah. <laughs> what happened in there? Oh, my God. Anyway, I did not belong in there. Let's just put yeah. it that way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, you say it's amazing that I, that I went, got through it. But this time, like, literally – my court date was the day I quit drinking for my DWI. And I was like, that's it. I've hit my bottom. Like this is as far as I'm going. And this is for me now. I no longer am tied down to Jamie. I'm no longer, you know, like nobody's, I mean, I was being forced because of probation and stuff, but, but I wasn't feeling like that. I was like, this is me, and this is me saying, okay, enough is enough. Like, Well, you wanted it at that point. Yeah. You started to want it. Yeah. And so I was like, I don't, you know, like I know a lot of crap's going to go down and whatever, but I'm doing this, and I'm trying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that point, I had gotten a sponsor who I love, who's so, like, non-sponsory. She's just a down-to-earth person that we just go get coffee with or, you know, and we've done just like go shopping and talk about things. We don't sit down and open the big book or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and I love her. Like she's just become one of my best friends. And yeah. Um, so that helps having that community. And then, you know, going back to Janet's talk about her, her drinking. Um, I will never forget the day that she called me and, said you know I have to talk to you I something to say and I was like oh god here we go <laughs> what yeah, those conversations are right never now. like welcome. here comes the lecture yeah what did I do wrong now I'm sober <laughs> what happened you know but she was like um I have um I'm rethinking my drinking or my relationship with alcohol and I literally lost it. I just cried and cried. And because, because I was like, Oh my God, like I, I'm sober for me now, but I was so resentful of my family and how much they drank and, (sighs) and what went on in my family and my life that, and for my sister to say that to me, I was just like, oh, my God, I have my sister with me during this, and we're going to go through it together. And, you know, like, I'm hoping that we can share our experiences. And, 
you know, I knew she wasn't going to go the AA route and I knew she had done all this research and she had tools and I, I just felt so, I like, I felt amazingly happy and just like, we are going to be so close again. And that's so amazing. That's like, I, yeah, I mean, the, the, it's really real. Like that resentment in your family. I I feel it. I mean, it's, I can't imagine what it was like to get that phone call. Right. Well, and you know, just to go back, I have to mention this too, because it's another huge story about our family drinking history. And, um, Mm -hmm. back in 2006, actually, I was pregnant with my daughter um, my dad had a nosebleed, which was weird and it wouldn't stop. So he, he went to the hospital and he was transferred to another hospital and they couldn't stop the nosebleed. Um, and everyone thought it was weird. Well, he was in the hospital on his third night. I get a call at two o'clock in the morning from one of the nurses saying, you have to come down here. We cannot calm your dad down. So I get my husband up and I'm like, we got to go to the hospital. My dad's freaking out. And he's like, well, you know, being the awesome husband he is, he's like, oh, I'm going to take a separate car because I have to go to work. And like, so anyways, we get we get to the hospital and my dad is literally like standing on the hospital bed, screaming his head off. He had hit some of the nurses. Um, they were putting him in restraints. Um, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? And they're like, he's detoxing. Oh. He didn't tell, he like wasn't truthful with how much he, he actually drank. So they didn't like do the banana. Right. And so I was like, oh shit. So I sat with him. He was hallucinating. He was, the world was after him. He wanted Mm -hmm. me with him. He wanted me to walk him down the hall. He wanted me to look in the closet to make sure no one was there. Mm -hmm. Um, it was like literally horrifying to watch my father go through, like, it wasn't my father. It was, you know, another person. And I just was like, what the hell happened? Like, what is this? Yeah. When was that? I'm sorry. What? That was 2006. Okay. So this is like 10 plus years ago. Oh yeah. So (sighs) the long story short of it is obviously the doctors and nurses knew he was detoxing and got him on the right medication. Um, he ended up having to stay in the hospital for 10 days, um, because of the detoxing and because of his nosebleed. Um, and that was right around Christmas. My sister and family came home and they came straight to the hospital. I think it was the day before Christmas Eve and he was getting out on Christmas Eve, I think. Um, But I was sitting there in the room with him and the doctor came in and he said to my dad, "Um, you're being released tomorrow. We went over some, you know, medical stuff. And then the doctor looked at me and said, you know, Steve, I'm going to tell you right now, if you drink again, you will die. And I, I think it was, I, days maybe a week maybe two and he was drinking again um you know but he of course he was like well I'm only drinking wine I'm not drinking gin and tonic anymore so Mm -hmm. you know and he's still 
is your uh, is your father still alive? I know he's sick. Or you mentioned that. Yeah, he's he is alive. He's he's pretty sick right now. Um, obviously, he has mm-hmm. you said like, esophageal cancer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's basically it's, it's at this point terminal. We yeah. just yeah. Uh, don't know. And was it ever talked about with him, like it, what you guys have gone through, or is it sort of still this thing that's like that you're doing and he's yeah, that you're doing removed from right? Oh well, yeah, he's not drinking anymore. He can't really drink right now, um, anyway. So, but has he acknowledged he, your sobriety? Or, yeah, oh yeah, or, yeah. yeah. Okay. And he was cute. He actually like made a big. He knows we're doing this interview, and he, you know, he's supportive <laughs> about it. And he said, yeah. "I listen," and we're like, "Well, I'm gonna want to listen." Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think he's, he's supportive. He's yeah, definitely okay. supportive, and I think nobody really knows, you know, kind of what – I think they don't really get what I'm doing necessarily. Yeah. Um, you know, because yeah. I was – It's I, harder I, I to understand. Right. Yeah, right. it's harder to understand. Like I think that, that the- proactive choice, right? But, but but they're definitely – they're supportive. He's supportive. Other people, I think, struggle with it, but – I think it's so amazing because when we look at what we've done, my therapist said to me not long ago, um, I, I was, you know, I just put my so much pressure on myself to do a lot of stuff. And she said, you got sober. Like you broke generation mm-hmm. after generation after generation of behavior, you know, and you could go and live in, she said I could, we were, it was when I was living in LA and she said I could go live in Bakersfield and eat sandwiches for the rest of my life and I'd be done. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's so amazing what you both have done in I mean it's such a testament to who you are um as as individuals and and just but but you guys broke I mean it's just so obvious and so clear you broke a you know you, you broke a family pattern and um and you get to and that goes back generations and it goes forward generations and yep. it's so yeah. beautiful and I'm crying which is great but yeah. I just think it's yeah. It's such a beautiful story. It's so huge. It it feels big. It does. You know, and doing this, just the fact that you guys invited us on to be on this podcast just meant so much to both of us. Oh, you have no idea. Well, it's it's going to. It's so. I mean, it touches everything. It's like an epic, Mm -hmm. you know, but it touches all of the sides of it. It touches the sides that. You know what I mean? Like you get to actually – I don't have conversations like this with my family. And you guys actually – you you and your sister get to have this – you you can like kind of own the world of it. And that's really beautiful. Yeah. I mean I feel so grateful to have her back. I feel like I'm so proud of her and all the work she's done. And I mean she's come so far. And, um, you know, I, I'm so thankful for – our time Can you guys together. Write a book, I mean, please. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I, I did write a book I, about your family. I did start a book in jail. I started it. <laughs> it would be amazing to, from both of your perspectives. I'm yeah. serious. Like, well, you don't we started get to hear that. In, in preparation for this podcast. We wrote letter like questions for ourselves that we thought you might answer, ask us. Aww. Um, we actually, we what we did, Janet, was we did our four step. Accidentally. But we wrote so much and we, we, you know, we, I think Julie emailed Brooke. She's like, well, we, we can send you what we wrote, but it's 14 pages, each of us. So, like, <laughs> well, <laughs> we, you've got to you know, start. So, yeah, we have a start. Exactly. And I think that um, it would be unfair to mention, not mention, 
the fact that our mother also is now sober. Six, yes. Wow. Almost. Almost six months. months? Yeah. Almost six months. Yep. Oh my goodness. That's okay. Huge. We can't leave this and part out. Like insane. I know yeah. we're, we're kind of at the end of time, but what what happened? Well, what happened with her was, um, she had a, a mini stroke and ended up in the hospital. She got mm-hmm. dizzy and um, kind of like fell down on onto the couch at home and finally went to the doctor. And her stroke that she had, when they did a scan, they said, you've had several strokes. And, you know, like she said to me, like, I don't know. I wouldn't have known when I had a stroke because I was probably drinking and I thought I was dizzy from drinking or whatever, you know, like, uh-huh. and I think it scared her into the fact of like, you know, I'm not going to drink. And then I think she also, you know, like it wasn't just about the stroke. It was also, I'm going to support Janet and Julie and I'm not going to drink. And, you know, she gets some hype from people too. Like, why aren't you drinking? Like, you don't have a problem like, you know, yeah. like Julie does. I guess that's but... the only reason people don't drink. Right. I know. Right. right. <laughs> you guys, right. we are at an end with this. It has been such a privilege talking to both of you. Thank you guys for sharing the story. And oh, I, thank you. I love you guys. You're both just, I mean, uh, like. Thank you guys you're for everything. So like just between like your, I mean, I don't know, like your, it's, your smiles are contained. Like it's just, I don't know. There's like, you're the real deal. And I'm so glad that we got to meet and, and explore this. Um, and know you guys and have you as part of this community so thank you so much we appreciate like Janet said I mean I have gotten so much out of you guys and I can't thank you enough for you know you've been a part of my path and if I didn't have you guys I don't know if I would be sober still to this day so thank you And you basically are my path, so I'm following. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is going to help a lot. I mean, this is going to help a lot of people. I think a lot of people are going to – like, there's so many parts to this that people are going to resonate with, so. Yeah, and that's why we wanted to talk. I mean, mainly. Get it out there that this this shit happens. It's real. (laughs) It does. I didn't realize I was on mute there. I was like, thank you, thank you. I know. I was like, why the fuck isn't Laura talking? Where's Laura going? Oh, my God. Laura just hates right. you guys. There was a beeping car. All right. I love you guys. I love you guys. guys. Okay. Love you guys. All right. Thank you. Bye. I love you. Okay. Bye. 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 Oh